Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. And welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you, thank you, thank you to every single one of you who takes the time to listen to the show all around the world. You know, we are living right now in a crazy time. Every single one of us is really just being affected by the coronavirus pandemic. Most of us are being forced to stay at home. Most of us have a lot of time on our hands. And, you know, I just want you to know that we're all going through this together. This is a weird time. This is the first time really in human history that something like this has happened in our lifetime. And I know at times it can be negative. I know when you turn on the news, it's just, it's so depressing. But please just remember there is light at the end of the tunnel. We will make it through together. And I'm not trying to sound so preachy, but it's so easy to fall into this negative trap. And, you know, honestly, with me, you know, being stuck at home, I've just been so much more productive being able to record podcasts. I'm filming more IGTVs. I uh, started a brand new show, which I'm going to talk about soon. But, you know, so I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, if you are stuck at home, try to make this a positive, maybe start a new hobby or call someone on Skype that you haven't seen since high school. I don't know. So I'm just saying, try to make the best out of this. If we look at this through positive eyes, um, it's just it's just going to be a lot better because it's so scary when you start looking at this negatively. And, you know, fear itself is like, I mean, fear sucks. So anyway, I'm with you. During this time, we're able to catch up on a lot of new TV shows. And one of those is Netflix's very controversial Tiger King. The last I checked, it was like number one trending in the country. And it seems like everyone is talking about the Tiger King. Um, there are so many memes on the internet. They're just hilarious. And so many of you have messaged me on Instagram, also on Facebook. I even have had family members text me like, hey, have you seen Tiger King? And every Everyone has just asked my opinion on this documentary. And so, you know, I actually, I recorded an IGTV and I can put the link in the show notes. But if you have not seen that, go check it out. It was me and my pet ball python, Nico. And I literally just talked in front of a camera of my complete views on Tiger King, but I felt like we really needed to expand the conversation. So I enlisted the help of my great friends. I love these guys, Chris and Angie from the All Creatures podcast. It is one of my favorite animal podcasts. And we've just, I love our roundtable discussions. If you are a fan of the show, then you might remember Chris and Angie because we've had several roundtables. We did one on why zoos matter. We did one on wolves, which is just crazy. That one was, yeah, that was just insane. We also did one on trophy hunting. And I love our roundtable conversations because we're all scientists and we all look at the facts. And But we all have different, we all have different opinions. And there are some, parts of this interview that get heated and there are some parts that I uh, I was really considering taking out because I was like man I don't want to get any of us in hot water this is really controversial but it's like you know what I need to give the people what they want they want a, a, a raw a real roundtable discussion let's just do it and let's see what happens so here it is you guys I know you're going to love it before we get to the actual interview I do want to say there are a few things I want to mention I mentioned earlier uh, I started a brand new show and I'm so excited to tell you all about it it's called Animal Nights Live and it debuts live every Friday night on Facebook Live on Instagram Live and TikTok Live at the same time 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or 10 p.m. Eastern and I just I 
just want to say, I know we have people listening around the world and I can't do every like conversion of time, but if you, if you don't, if you do miss it live, you can still watch it on my Instagram story or go to my Facebook page and you can still watch the full videos. The ones on Facebook don't disappear. So you can head on over to Facebook, Corbin Maxi, like my page, and then uh, you can watch it. But I have had such a fun time doing this and I've I've wanted to host a live TV show with animals for such a long time. Back in the day in college, I actually hosted a TV show. It was called Live with the Reptile Guy. I hosted it for three and a half years, four seasons during college at Boise State University. I loved it. I never felt more at home. And, you know, I honestly thought, you know, now that we're all stuck at home and I thought this would be the perfect time to start an online show. Like why wait? I mean, seriously, why wait? Why not? What What is it going to hurt to start a show? And I just, I, I've had such a fun time doing it and I feel so at home doing it. So basically it is a, it's, it's, it's a live show. It's going to be filmed every Friday night. It's going to feature live animals. Eventually, once we're done with this whole crazy coronavirus thing, we are going to feature live guests with their live animals. I interact with you. I'm able to talk to you. It's educational for kids, but it's, it's also for adults too. It's also, I mean, someone was laughing, you know, saying that I make really cheesy dad jokes, which is hilarious. Some of you were having wine because my wife was having a glass of wine while she was filming me. And so many people were like, cheers, virtual happy hour. And kids were cheers with chocolate milk. I mean, whatever. So I'm happy we can bring people together with these shows and with this content. So definitely check it out every Friday night, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or 10 p.m. Eastern. And if you live around the world um, and it's like super early in the morning or late at night, like I said, I can't do all the conversions, but just head on over to my Facebook page and you can still watch it. They don't disappear. Uh, Instagram and TikToks, they disappear after 24 hours of live videos, but Facebook will stay there. So definitely check it out. Okay, with that said, also make sure to subscribe to the show on whichever podcasting platform you listen. Also leave a rating and review. I will love you if you do that. It helps get the show out there. And if you would like to help support the show or if you'd like to help support the animals during this time, a lot of you have, have reached out. And I've personally have never put like a donation button on my Facebook or I've never started a GoFundMe. But, you know, honestly, resources are scarce. And, uh, you know, all of our educational programs the way I support our animals by charging for appearances, they've all been canceled or postponed. There's really no income coming in to support the animals. So if you would like to donate, please head on over to the GoFundMe link. Or if you want to support the show, Animals to the Max, head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash animals to the max. I will include all the links in the show notes. Okay, you guys, I will finally shut up. I know you've been waiting. Please, please, please welcome to the show, Chris and Angie from the All Creatures Podcast. We're about to get controversial we're going to talk about the tiger king hey corbin hey corbin how are you good to I, be back i you guys i'm not gonna lie i'm not blowing smoke our roundtable discussions are probably some of my favorite episodes on the show i know we've been we've been dying to do another one with you we just get so busy and but now we have all the time in the world so <laughs> right yes when you reached out to me about this tabletop discussion at first i was like well i don't know if i'll have time and then I watched all episodes of the Tiger King in like two days. So (laughs) I made time. It went by very quickly. Let's just uh, say that. So I'm glad that you reached out. These, these discussions are always amazing. So hopefully everybody will have a good time. Yeah. And I have to say, I know I, when I first, you know, saw Tiger King, I immediately, you know, messaged Chris on Instagram. I was like, we have to do a round table about this because it's one of those things. It's taken the nation by storm. It was like number one trending in Netflix. 
it is insane. And so I'm so happy you guys agreed. Um, I know we have a lot of the same, you know, fan base, but for those of for those of my listeners who aren't familiar with the All Creatures podcast, by the way, one of my favorite animal podcasts, I absolutely love it. Please subscribe to their show. Um, but please tell us just a little bit about the show and maybe yourselves and why you two are qualified to talk about the Tiger King. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, Angie and I both have our PhDs in animal physiology, behavior, and welfare. Welfare, yeah. And so we, you know, a couple years ago came together and, and decided to start the show because we're really concerned with what's going on around the planet with endangered species. So, you know, the premise of the show is we generally cover an endangered species a week. And then we try to, to speckle in some interviews with experts like we've had Corbin on a, a multiple times and uh, science researchers from around the world. So, yeah, yeah. We, and we've been throughout the two years, too, we've been able to talk to a lot of tiger experts. Mm-hmm. And so uh, definitely a big disclaimer for this uh, evening's pod is some of it's going to be factual. Uh, probably a little bit's going to be sprinkled with opinions. Mm-hmm. And I'm more of an expert working in an accredited zoological park because that's how I got my start years ago before I went into grad school. So I have an interesting uh, ability to understand more the in-depth protocols and procedures that go on behind the scenes in your accredited zoos. Uh, but I've learned a lot of, along the way about sanctuaries. And I've interviewed um, Katie Cannon from Carolina Tiger Rescue, who is an expert in sanctuaries, and this is an accredited facility. And I was just re-listening to that podcast um, in preparation for this, and it's excellent. She just breaks it all down. So mm-hmm. that'll be a good one that we'll need to, to share with people. But uh, I definitely am not an expert in uh, private breeders, and I'm also not an expert in tigers. That's more of my husband's. I always worked with hoof, hooves and horns. <laughs> but throughout doing this pod, Chris, Chris and I have covered a lot of a lot of uh, wildcats. And, and like I said, I've interviewed, I interviewed um, Dr. Sunarto out in Indonesia about oh. Sumatran tigers and his research for World Wildlife Fund and hearing what it's like to be a tiger conservationist out in the field and really hearing how, how, how much trouble they are in, in the wild. And, uh, so, so yes, that's, uh, I don't know if tiger experts, the word, but, uh, I definitely became an expert on this tiger King documentary. I had my no, I had, I was like such a dork and I know Chris is the same. I had yeah. my laptop off. Like, oh my goodness. Okay. Let me type that down. I'll look that up. Later. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, Chris is showing me his notes right now. Yeah. So what? Chris and I are researchers by yeah. heart, by trade. And so we of course went down a couple rabbit holes about what is you know what is really going on here and uh so yeah hopefully we'll be able to share some insights and just really quick uh our our tigers we covered it actually in two episodes because we covered so much so episode 83 and 85 uh sonarto's interviews episode 85 or 84 sorry and then episode 92 was katie cannon so we've we've had four episodes devoted just to tigers yeah um but you know and angie and i just really quick want to say this too you know, we, we've had an animal ag background as well with domestic livestock. And I've seen some animals abused, um, held in, in terrible conditions, mainly horses. And that's not the norm in animal ag. Like, we've gone out. I've seen multiple farms uh, doing research and also some behavior studies. Most, I just want to say this in the United States, most animals and animal agriculture are, are very well taken care of because that's the farmer's bottom line. These horrific videos you see every now and then, it's, it's an oddity or it's from outside the country. 
But with that being said, when you look at how these tigers are housed, I was horrified, horrified. And I think we're not coming from an animal rights perspective at all, because that's not what we talk about. Angie and I are big in animal conservation. This is an animal welfare issue. Huge, huge animal welfare issue. And I think that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. I think so. And it's so controversial. And I actually put a video out on IGTV. I was so nervous because I yeah. was, it's like when you put this stuff out in the world, you just there is, there's so many touchy topics. And it seems like everybody and their mom has an opinion, which everyone is entitled to their opinions. You know, we're going to be we're going to be sharing our opinions. But, uh, you know, I just felt like we need we need I, we need to expand and talk about some things because, you know, a lot of people are questioning the ethics of zoos and I mean, sure, you know, sure. anti-captivity. And- and oh, go ahead. Well, no, I just think uh, opinions, uh, like my father used to say, are you know what? Everybody's got one. <laughs> so they're, they're, everybody's got one and they can be a pain. But mm-hmm. I like to approach it from if I can't, if there's no evidence behind it, there's no research behind it, which some of the stuff there is, and we'll talk about that today. Uh, I at least like the opinion to be informed and perhaps open-minded and so maybe when people listen to this interview if they were on one side or the other uh perhaps they'll at least have some more facts or a little bit more informed opinions to to be open about uh perhaps making changes because in the end i think everybody wants there to be tigers in the wild right everybody Mm -hmm. likes tigers even if we fear them because they're so powerful and uh maybe they make you fearful but most people want them to live in the wild and so i think that that's what we're going to be talking about today is some issues with what's going on with that and then when they are under human care whether they're in a zoo a sanctuary under private ownership what does that mean and Mm -hmm. looking at knowing what i know about zoos i've known forever is not all zoos are made the same and then throughout the past couple of years, I've uh, been educated a lot about the not two sanctuaries are the same. And perhaps much to some people's dismay, I, I will also say that not all private ownership is the same. Mm-hmm. And with private ownership, you have breeders and then you have people that just have tigers as pets. So making sweeping generalized assumption that all zoos are bad or all sanctuaries are amazing or mm-hmm. whatever is... I think is a fallacy. And, uh, and so the best way or one of my goals is today is to at least help put some, some education out there, uh, to give listeners who aren't as familiar with uh, the tiger crisis, both in the United States. And then of course in Asia or what's happening here so they can make okay. more informed decisions. Uh, so there's, there's a, there's a lot to talk about today. Yes. It, oh, go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, should we just start with yeah. how tigers are doing in the wild? I mean... Well, yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Really quick, though, for those of you lending, living underneath a rock, if someone's tuning in like, Tiger King, wait, what in the yeah, God, yes. in God's name are they talking about? Basically, a brief synopsis, and please, you know, join in. It's basically Netflix focuses on one man. I kind of made the joke, Joe Dirt, not really his name's... Mm. Thank you, did I get a laugh? <laughs> Joe Exotic, it's this guy. He basically has a roadside zoo in Oklahoma. He has a lot of exotic animals, calls himself the Tiger King, and it focuses on his operation and his conflicts with a with the big cat rescue down in Florida. 
And there's a lot of twists and turns, and it is, if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's a nail-biter. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, yeah. Well, I think that's also, it's also true with a lot of those documentaries to be, to know and, I don't want to say watch it with a grain of salt, because I think that especially the last, like, 30 seconds is my favorite, because that's when they pretty much talk about, the only time they would talk a lot about tiger conservation yeah. and what's going yeah. on in the wild. But it's, it's, it's drama, right? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of, um, they're painting a certain picture, which was really easy to paint with these characters on yeah. this show. Cause the characters is, uh, is, uh, being mild. And, but I think it's something to, to think about too, is what, you know, what was the, the, what's the movie's point and what is it and what's it trying to do? And I got the feeling, and I don't know about your, your guys's opinion, but I got the feeling that it the main mission of the movie was probably not necessarily to tell the story about exotic cat ownership in the United States. I think it was more to showcase well, the human, human interest story. Yeah, yeah like the, yeah. like the, the the people involved yeah, and yeah. how it gets the way it gets. Uh, because quite frankly, I'm going to be honest, uh, the director of my old zoo, if that person was interviewed, uh, uh, they'd probably get cut. They they would be so boring, uh, so boring, <laughs> and scientific, and on point, and put together, and have teeth that it would yeah. just be like they'd be cut. Yeah, they would not. Yeah, ma- they yeah. wouldn't. They wouldn't make it. And so, because that was one thing I thought was definitely missing is there wasn't really very many other zoo representatives on there. Probably did they try to get them? Did they not? Did they try to talk to anybody that accredits zoos. I don't know that. And uh, so. It's just knowing, you know, that's the thing. Anything in life on the internet or Netflix or whatever, you have to kind of uh, yeah. do a little digging yourself. And But was it entertaining? Yes. Oh, it yeah, It was yeah. very entertaining. And do I, I just want- better about myself after watching it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I just want to say, like, when I watched this thing, I saw the human side. I tried to just focus on the animal side because I knew we were doing this podcast, so. I was thinking of the tigers the whole time or the the lions or the primates they had, the elephant the guy was riding. I mean, I was looking at that from that perspective in a lens from an animal welfare, animal conservation lens. But, yeah, you you got sucked in. I mean, it was so good. You're like, okay, next episode, next episode, next episode, because you want to see how it ends. But Yeah, the drama was real. It was – it was – it's just – Shocking to say and, the least. And yeah. I, I'll tell you what, because I deal with, I do work a lot in TV. I am shocked, beyond shocked, that Joe Exotic, that his show concept was not picked up by Animal Planet. Because Animal Planet went through a really weird phase where they had like the mm-hmm. Turtle Man with no teeth. Like, and I know um, Joe's. I think what is it? His his producer basically they lost all the footage in that fire. But mm-hmm. shocked that no one picked him up because I mean. It was so compelling. I mean, as bad yeah. as it was, it was like, oh man, this is has reality TV star written all. Yeah, over yeah it's it. like it's like you know, bad accents. You cover your eyes, but you kind of have to look to around the corner to see what's going on. Yeah. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's human. It's human nature. It's our own human instinct, our own animal age, Ab- nature, right? <laughs> absolutely. Okay, um, Chris, can we talk a little yeah. bit about tigers in the wild? Yeah. Because I think, you know, I mean, that's obviously what we, we focus a lot on. And so when we did cover Tigers, you know, early last year, I think it was, you know, the question is a, a lot of what Joe said and the other characters they had on this show, uh, especially one specific in the Carolinas, is they're helping tiger conservation. And I, I don't think they, they are in most aspects, and we'll get to that. But 
you know, when you look at the, the, the question, are there more tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild? And yes, there are, I think there are. There are. We don't have hard numbers. I mean, I've, I've got some hard numbers here. But tigers are, are disappearing from the wild. And a couple things, you know, there's truths in this documentary when they talk about what wild is left in Asia. And, and that's a major reason why a lot of tigers are going extinct. Let, subspecies. It's not just the species as whole, but you have six subspecies. And they're all in trouble. So th- if we look at the, the healthiest populations, the Bengal tiger, you know, in India, and there's only 2,500 of them left in the wild if that. So they're endangered. Then you go to the Sumatran tiger, that's the next healthiest population, and there's only a thousand left. And this is where palm oil, you know, a lot of this uh, exploitation of Sumatra and that part of the world, and I think that's where Sonarto was doing a lot of his research. Uh, you know, what? I mean, how many days does he spend out there with his camera traps? It, it's just yeah. So when they they set camera traps to try to get accurate counts and yeah. locations of Sumatran tigers, uh, him and his crew will uh, usually hike in for seven to fourteen days just to get to into the jungle, just to get to one trap. Wow! And then they then they have to hike out. So, yeah, 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 it's not for the faint-hearted, <laughs> for no. sure. Uh, but once, but the information that uh, this is through World Wildlife Fund, the information that they're gathering is very critical to understand where the cats are and how many there are and what their behavior is. So uh, that's what the team does. That's what the tiger expert team does yeah. in Sumatra. It's incredible. It's breathtaking, and uh, they're they're conservation heroes for sure. Yeah, yeah, and they're critically endangered. There's only a thousand of them left, and they're decreasing. Then you, you go to the Siberian tiger or Murr tiger. Uh, there's only 540 of them left. They're in t- they're endangered because their population's stable, maybe growing a little bit. Indo-Chinese tiger, 250 left. Mm-hmm. So that's Southeast Asia. Malayan tiger, 120 left max. They're critically endangered. And then the South China tiger is probably extinct. Hasn't been sighted in 25 years. So when you talk tigers in the wild, it, it's bad. It's extremely bad. But, but, tigers in Oklahoma have <laughs> nothing to do with tigers in Asia. Because no. the bottom line is, any of these animals being raised in the pet trade, and that's what this is, these rescues or, or pets, will never, ever, ever be released in the wild. They, they probably will never survive in the wild. They have nothing to do with the physical tigers in the wild. Right. Their genetics are garbage because they've been so inbred or, and there's no data on it. Uh, Uh, White, white tigers are, I mean, that's a whole different topic. And that is a different pot for a different day, but that yes, white tigers just briefly are not like a, a variant of a coat color. Like for instance, how a horse might be Brown or another one might, what might be white. No, white tigers basically are the result of crazy inbreeding of a brother. Uh, you know, was it a brother and a sister? They go back one. to one. Just one go back ma- to one. Yeah. One male. And so it was a, a, a mutate a coat mutation, and so yes, all of the white tigers that are around have or not all of them, but a, a lot of them have severe health issues. They're cross-eyed. The one of the white tigers yep. they showed. Uh, on yeah. on Tiger King, it was uh, just like, but yeah, I was looking at its nose the whole time, yeah. and so they have a lot of other malformations and um, and uh, abnormalities due to being so inbred, and so 
uh, white tigers are not, they're not a thing. It's it's mm-hmm. uh, or guess what they are is is bad news for sure. Mm-hmm. 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 I think. Do you think? Because I don't think a lot of people realize how in trouble tigers are, and I wonder if that is because we have so many roadside zoos like the one in Oklahoma or. Every zoo, it seems like, you know, we do have tigers and people do keep them as pets. I'm, I'm sure that has to be a reason why some people think that they're doing fine in the wild. Maybe, yeah. And I mean, so when I looked at, you know, not just Joe Exotic does, but the other stuff. And Angie's got some great, great points about the big cat rescue in Florida. You know, you look at it from a conservation standpoint, there's no value there as far as the animals are concerned. None whatsoever. They are not conserving the species. They're conserving the species for the pet trade, sure, or for their own private enjoyment, sure. But they are not contributing to the conservation of wild tigers at all. The only value that I think they could argue is education and mm-hmm. bringing to light. That, I, that, to me, is the only leg they can stand on. Hey, we've had so many visitors per year, and we taught them about conservation of tigers in the wild and that makes an impact but in my opinion zoos do it a million times better and, and by zoo but by zoos you mean accredited accredited zoos. zoos aza in the united states other european european has one asia has one accredited australia. yeah australian zoo auckland zoo Laypig mm-hmm. Zoo, London Zoo, like but, all those accredited but zoos. But this is so hard, really, I just want to say, because yeah. they're great accredited zoos, but they're also mm-hmm. zoos who aren't accredited that are great. So, for instance, I have good friends at the sure. Pittsburgh Zoo and PPG Aquarium, and because they still want to work free contact with their elephants, they're no longer accredited. But that is a fantastic facility. So there's so many, like, it's not a black or white. You know what I mean? So I, I just want to put that out there because there are good facilities like that that aren't AZA. I know the majority of AZA, though, absolutely um, are definitely yeah, credible. And, and, and Corbett, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not, you know, obviously I, I don't work for a zoo. Uh, I'm a big believer in what zoos do for conservation. Yep. Yep. But... Do they breed their tigers or, and we're talking big cats in this podcast, oh. and are they part of the SSP, which is a species survival program, you know, where their genetics are controlled, you make sure that these subspecies aren't getting mixed and, you know, they're, mm-hmm. like They put said, together the right, the most yep. uh, right. genetically diverse mm-hmm. pairs to keep right. the lines not from being inbred. And it's this whole, each, each uh, subspecies of tigers within the accredited zoo's species survival plan pretty much has their own matchmaker, their yep. own geneticist. Yep. Like I, I, wish, right. I wish I was a geneticist. I'd actually have a real job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, and so I think that's the thing is that it's it's just so much more rigid. And and I and I will definitely see your point that not not all definitely not all zoos are the same. I think when you are a person in the public. And you definitely want to make sure that you are not supporting, uh, let's say, a roadside zoo or a place that does cub breeding or something like that. I think one of the the easiest things to look at is for it to be um, the AZA accredited, so the American Associations of Zoos and Aquariums. And that's it's like the golden seal. And we'll, we'll talk about how that 
comes a little bit more later or I know Chris has an awesome podcast uh, come interview coming up in a couple <laughs> days. I, I'm a little bit biased, but uh... <laughs> of course you are. And, and I want to, Chris, I do want to give you the thumbs up because I actually have, I've had some people on from the Pittsburgh zoo and PPG aquarium. And one of their curators, Henry was talking about how he was part of, they were working with the SSP regarding their tigers. So okay. I can vouch for them, but good, um, good. yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there because no, I think it's definitely yeah, a valid yeah. point. It's not, nothing is perfect. And I, I mean, there's, there's flaws in the AZA, like they are working to improve and they're, uh, there's always room for improvement and there's always special cases. And, and, and I think that's where at the end of the day, a lot of it's going to come up to come to the listener to do a little bit of research, not much digging does not, especially since we all have our handy dandy iPhones or cell phones, it doesn't take much to, to get a little bit of a feel of whether this is a Joe exotic type facility. And honestly, I mean, Chris and I will probably go back and forth about this a little bit later in the podcast, but I mean, there's a lot worse than Joe out there. Joe's place. There's maybe. a lot worse. Well, I've seen, I've seen one, but yeah, maybe. So I, I but I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like really small road, you know, roadside yeah. things like that. So do you, do you guys know, do you know on, I think it's was I 10, in Louisiana, I don't know if it's still there. Tony the Tiger. Have you, have you driven by the gas station? No, where it's just, no. There's a gas station in the middle. People in the United States that have been down there know what I'm talking about. You pull off, and I think, that, I don't know if they're still there or not. It's been many years. But there was two Tigers in, like, two little cages right next to the freeway at a gas station was in this, Louisiana. Was this Tony... <laughs> Tony the Tiger? Because I think it was. Like, big, you know, free Tony be. the Tiger. Yeah. Yeah, that could be that. Yeah. Oh, um. Yeah. So I, but I think, but yes, I think the biggest. There are some bad places. There's, yeah. There's a. There's not all. Not all. Not all zoos are created eagle for sure. Not all sanctuaries are, and so it's it's uh, it's really fascinating and and I'm a scientist, so I'm super curious and I don't know how you guys felt watching the um, the documentary, but I kept saying like. How is this legal? How is this allowed? Because, I mean, we got, we got as we got to learn some of the characters, we we saw that there's probably some shady, illegal things going on. But as far as the, the facility, the facility itself, owning those tigers, being a zoo, all of that, there's nothing illegal about it. Totally fine. So, I mean, Joe is a character and a half, and had way too many big cats, and uh, way too many cats per. Ex- cage or exhibit exactly i'll give you all that but technically that's allowed in oklahoma right well, so i feel like he, it's a, a lot bigger picture than just joe like in my opinion i he, he, i'm not sticking up for by any any stretch or imagination but that's allowed yeah it's legal well, it's I totally think, legal. yeah so I, the problem i think is more at the state and or federal le- level it's it's federal. I've got all the laws, and we can bore our listeners with. In a <laughs> it, second might be, about it. it might be. A different day too. <laughs> I mean, I, I can but, but summarize no, but, it. But, but you know what I mean? It's it wasn't. Well, like, I think how is that allowed? That's my biggest yeah. question. Well, because there's no laws in Oklahoma with no bans on big cats. So the four states or five states in the United States: Nevada, Oklahoma, Alabama, North Carolina, oh and Wisconsin have no laws banning importing or anything with tigers you can own big cats in those five states with no laws then there's a bunch of 
six states ban or regulate keeping big cats. 21 states ban all dangerous exotic pets. Uh, they allow some with certain permits, and 35 states ban keeping big cats as pets with some exemptions like zoos or something like that. Can I just say, and I mentioned this in my IGTV, but when I was 13 years old, I was looking at a reptile classifieds. I, I love looking at it. It's, it's called kingsnake.com for all for all of my reptile friends. You'll know it. It's you go to the classifieds. And I remember clicking on other exotics. I remember seeing tigers for sale, and they were five hundred dollars. Yeah, because there's so many. There's so, so many accessible, and I just was like, it blew my mind. Because I think some people just are just <laughs> I think some people are just shocked at how accessible it is. I mean, to, to buy these cats. I was blown away. You know, they're saying you can get a tiger for two thousand dollars. You said five hundred. It's that just tells me that there are so many tigers out there, and there's definitely more. And I could jump into this because we got the data when we did our our podcast on it, and the the theory was there's more tigers in Texas than there was in the wild, and that came from the Humane Society of the United States, or the Humane Society itself, and. They're, when they did the survey, it only came back with 2,000, like 2,400 tigers in the U.S., but most people were hiding how many tigers they had, you know, or didn't admit to having tigers. So, but then they go, you know, then they looked at the data from a, from a standpoint of people injured, like this woman gets her arm ripped off in the show. Like, oh, yeah. like this is why roadside zoos are horrendous, you know, no protection. I mean, that can knock on wood that can happen in an accredited zoo but uh, these workers were never trained he was picking up homeless people paying yeah. them 100 bucks a week yeah, it was, yeah. It was so and many... i want to say it painted a really bad picture of zoos across america and also painted a bad yeah. picture for keepers because to be a yeah. keeper at an accredited zoo you have to usually be it you have, you have to have some sort of a degree you have to have two to three years of experience if not more it is a coveted position so to have people who have you know problems with drugs or you know and mm -hmm. i'm all about having second chances but if you're a felon you know what I yeah. mean? Like working with these animals with zero experience, it really painted this awful picture of some yeah. of no, keepers. I mean, Corbin, you, you're you so spot on. When I entered uh, the zoo as a zookeeper in a credited facility, this was uh, some years ago. And I think I was, this is for a part-time position at with my degree. I had a degree. And this is for a part-time position and at minimum wage and there were a hundred candidates mm -hmm. i well, got the job yeah. i got the job it's, of your sparkly it's, it's only because they had horse skills they were looking for somebody <laughs> that could like tame their wild ponies they had uh but at any rate is my foot no, in the door and it's only gotten in in a certain instance it's only gotten harder to oh, get yeah. in because they really want the the best qualified candidate because it is it's not just about picking up poop anymore. I mean, of course that's part of the job, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's all about enrichment and training and doing scientific research and interacting with the public and right. education. And just, it's, it's really evolved into this. I mean, it's an amazing career opportunity. And yes, though the depiction of zookeepers on, uh, this show and or volunteers or whatever yeah. was just it was it was heartbreaking and i almost couldn't get past the first episode because of that reason yeah. uh to take a stand or whatever uh because it's just not that's not that's not how it is and that's it's very, that's, yeah, it's, 
it's that's very why hard. I say this, this, this documentary was made for the drama. Once again, mm-hmm. if you went and interviewed all the keepers I worked with at my credit facility, no offense, most of them would be too boring to be on the show, right? <laughs> Including my, myself included. So, uh, but yeah, and uh, of course, uh, uh, a lot of my zookeeper friends are just, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's blown up and it's, uh, I think it's, it's uh, annoying a lot of people and frustrating them. And I guess one of the reasons I wanted to be here today, too, is also to hopefully, uh, towards the end of the pocket, podcast, talk about what we can do with some, if we were, whatever mo- whatever emotion, if the emotion that, that, that the Tiger King drawed up in you was mm-hmm. uh, negative or w- anything like that, uh, I think there's some stuff we can do with that because uh, that could help, help out uh, – big cats uh, in the wild and then those also um, under human care and accredited facilities, be it whether it's a zoo or a sanctuary. Awesome. And Chris, what were you going to say regarding yeah. the zoos? No, just how hard it was. I mean, yeah. I was going to say, you know, dro- name drop, but Rick Schwartz, who's now the spokesperson. Oh, by the so, way, can I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I loved, yeah. loved, 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 loved. I almost listened to that episode. I think I listened to it twice, that interview with Rick yeah. Schwartz. And I've had him on my show, but I loved it. Yeah, he, yeah go ahead. I loved that one, Zookeeper Rick. Thanks. It was amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. And now he's the spokesperson. It was so hard. He he didn't get hired by San Diego till yep. the seventh try, and yep. then it was part-time. So yeah. Yep. They, they only want the best of the best. And we get asked all the time, how do you become a zookeeper? Or, mm. you know, and a lot of our friends are zookeepers and, and th- meet him, met him through the podcast. And you have an you have a interview coming up all about that soon. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. <laughs> so Thursday, yeah, Thursday with with Angie's husband John, who's the director of a zoo, we talk a lot about getting accredited, how difficult it is. We talk about the zookeeping field, the, what zoos do for animals in the wild. So I think, you know, I I definitely want to talk about the welfare of these animals on the show and what's wrong with it. But when you see what happens at Joe Exotics Place what that place in Carolina does, which I want to throw up. And then even the the rescue down in Florida, I, she's not breeding them anymore. I applaud her for that. I applaud how she's changed the direction she's she's gone. But even then, those cats were not kept in the best conditions. Yeah, thank you. Know? you. Thank you. I don't uh, think Carol, oh my God, probably gets so much flack for this, but I don't... Yeah. I don't know. There's something fishy about this. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you guys can't tell me you watched that and thought, hmm. No. You know? Yeah. Well, so here's here's the, one of the one of the big points uh, with all of that is that an accredited zoo and an accredited sanctuary they should have a board of directors, some chain of command. Uh, something, uh, checks and balances, okay, um, which was obviously lacking at both uh, Big Cat and obviously at Joe's, like, big mm-hmm. time, right? He was the king. What he said did, whether it was illegal or not or whatever. Yeah. And that is a huge, huge problem uh, from a safety aspect of the animals, from human resources of the employees or the volunteers and things like that. And so I don't know much about the facility in Florida. I've never been there. And who knows, too, with the documentary, were they just showing only the bad parts or what? Um, I I think the thing about it is, once again, though, whether you like the cages or you didn't like the cages as far as their size, all of that, folks, 
don't hate on Joe. Don't hate on Carol. Hate on your government because that is totally oh, that's USDA. A good point. Yeah, that is that is USDA and Fish and Wildlife. Fine, like uh, they're okay with that. I mean, I think if you look up the Florida law for uh, an exotic animal, because Florida's one of those. Um, we don't. Uh, there's partial bans, mm-hmm. and you have to get allegedly have to get permits, but you can maybe like buy them for super cheap, and it's pretty sketchy down here in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody who's been to Florida <laughs> can uh, relate. Just uh, glor- uh, just Google Florida man, and then your yeah. birthday, and uh, some funny stuff always will make you laugh. So, Florida's uh, we've got some some loopholes and, and things in it, but I I think it's the cat has to have. The exotic animal, depending on their size, let's say a big cat, I think it has to have like six feet. Uh, basically, has be, it basically has to be able to turn around. Can I? Okay. And I have to say something. And, 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 that's, and, and that's the law. That's yeah. not. And and I, I, so for me, I actually, at both facilities, I saw a lot more room than that. Yeah. Now, I think the cages were like not great. And, and definitely at Joe's, I had a huge problem with how many cats, because tigers. For those of you that um, haven't listened to our other tiger podcasts, is that uh, tigers are solitary creatures in the wild. So they only come together for breeding. So it is actually not natural for them to be living with, I don't know, I think I counted like 15 head, yeah. 20 head of tiger in some of Joe's yeah. uh, pens. That is, that's not, it's not how, they're not like lions. Lions live in families, yeah. the lion king, the pride, all of that. It's different for tigers. And yeah. So, I took a lot of issue with how they were housed at Joe's a lot more than how they were housed at Carol's. I do want to say that I heard from both sides. I heard from people who wanted to be completely anonymous that they were either for the big cat rescue or against it. Some people messaged me and said they're both crazy, that Joe and Carol are both crazy. I did receive a message from someone who currently works at the big cat rescue with Carol, who knows her personally. And this is the first time, actually the first time I've read it in, in its entirety. It was one of my blocked messages on Instagram. Cause I didn't follow this person, but I'm, I'm just going to read what she has to say. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just basically defending. So it says, so I actually work with the cats at big cat rescue in Tampa. And I know Carol and the facility. Well, I think that many things got misconstrued in the documentary. Obviously Joe is a bad guy and there's absolutely no denying that. But Carol is the sweetest and most genuine person I've ever met in my life. She admits to her faults in her younger years of owning big cats as pets, realized it was a bad idea, started to educate the public on the plight of cats, built a GFAS accredited facility, and now wants the abuse of big cats to stop, primarily the cub petting. That's the Big Cat Public Safety Act bill we will promote. It will primarily stop people from owning big cats as pets and stop cub petting. If people have the cats, they won't be taken away. It would just be nice if people registered their cats. 10,000 to 20,000 big cats in the U.S. is an absurdly large gap. Zoos, as long as they are accredited, won't be affected. And neither will the LSU mascot. But I urge you to look up Tony the Tiger Truck Stop. Um, Tony the Tiger the Truck Stop. That's one thing that would be directly affected by this bill and Carol's mission. It's heartbreaking. I know that was a little long, but that is someone who is, um, you know, well, it's who's, good. To, it's good insight yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it definitely. Is. So I just wanted to say that I've heard from good sides and bad sides. So, yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think that there is, once again, there's a couple sides to every story. Yeah, like I said earlier, I, I want to applaud Carol because she did have a 
a change where she was breeding big cats. And, and, and I don't want to say her facility is, is bad. I mean, it's, it's so expensive to, to maintain them. But I think yesterday, Angie and I were talking about this and Angie made a good point. And it really shows me, you know, put your money where your mouth is. They spent millions of dollars in legal fees to fight a copyright claim oh. against Joe Exotic, where, do you know what Sonarto can do with that in Indonesia? If he had that money, what he could do for tigers down there. So How many traps he could, yeah. uh, uh, camp, not traps, <laughs> make sure and be clear. How many, not tiger dogs, how many camera traps right. <laughs> and helpers to protect the wild tigers. Yes. So, this is dying yes. over here. Yeah, not not yeah. tiger traps. Yeah, I know that is disgusting how much money went for legal fees. I mean, that is really right. come on. And so whether whether or not her I mean her facility is obviously um it's accredited and we just found out and it is uh completely okay by Fish and Wildlife and USDA. And uh so you know, whether whether or not we like it, that was a lot of money to to spend uh, on legal pretty fees. Much on, I mean, and I I understand her passion. I get that she, you know he was the enemy and he represents cub petting and cub or tiger breeding and all that. And uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's the right use of money, but it was. It's just an outlandish amount of money on both parts. They could have put uh, when, in a multi-million dollar exhibit for one of the cats mm-hmm. with the amount exactly. that they or spent put that on legal money, fees. Or, or put that money overseas. Oh, to, yeah. Tiger conservation. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's – I think that's a thing too that's uh, – for me, what makes me really passionate about like the um, AZA accredited zoos is the amount of money they put into conservation – in the wild. I think, let's see, last year, was it? it Two, was like, 239, oh, right? Million. Million. Spent on, million. 231 million 31, yep. conservation projects, money towards conservation projects abroad every year. Not, And so I think they that's really underappreciated when you go to your local accredited zoo or that's a really big difference between obviously Joe Exotica's or Exotica. That's not even his name. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Joe Exotic, whatever his name like is. like a poor between... name. I know. <laughs> I mean, did you watch the show? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I had to I, I, go ahead, Chris. What'd I, you say? I, I, I had to throw it there, Joe Exotica. I mean, yeah, seriously. Listen to, Angie, listen to Angie talk with AZA Zoos. It's not just that they pour that money in. They send their keepers overseas to do conservation pro- projects. So my buddy Mike at the LA Zoo went to Africa and worked with giraffes. I know the San Diego Zoo, their koala team, when I interviewed them, they were sent over to Australia to help with conservation. Yeah, my credit is Zoo sent I me. know Zookeeper, yeah. Zoo. Angie. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, the, I guess that's the thing. And so that's where I, I, I talk a little bit more. I think when we're looking at organizations, whether they're zoos or aquariums for that matter, or sanctuaries, is where are the checks and balances? Like who, yeah, what, how, who's regulating the mission and what, well, what is the mission? What does it look like? Uh, are they breeding? Are they not breeding? Uh, uh, I don't even, it's a totally different podcast for a different day, but uh, Joe had the, uh, the, uh, the hybrid tigers or ligers. Oh, no, 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 no. That's this podcast. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm all ready for that one. Hit it. Yeah. Hit it. Attack that's, me. No yeah, pun intended. That's a, huge, 
huge problem. Yeah, I so mean, that's what are so I add ligers. Let's talk yeah, about okay. oh, Hit me. this one. Hit this me. one. Oh my god, this one. Okay. So this place that breeds them and they on, you see them on social media and they get millions of likes and it drives me crazy. Bonkers. And it shows one of them swimming with tigers, like how wonderful this is. And, you know, this attractive, attractive female in a bikini and she's under the waterfall. It, it, I want to throw up. It makes me so angry. You should not be bathing with tigers for one thing. Then they show the liger and they have tried to defend the liger saying it's natural. It happens in the wild. It's such BS. Ligers are unnatural hybrid of lions and tigers so you breed a male lion to a female tiger and you get ligers okay if you bred a male tiger to a lioness it's a tigon and i don't even know how many of those are out there so the ligers they're huge right you get this hybrid vigor this this unnatural this massive animal with a short life physically they're they're a mess because they're so big, their frames can't can't support them, so they get arthritis. You watch some of these videos of these ligers; they have trouble walking them. And in the video, in the movie, they show them uh, moving the liger in a cage, you know, pulling it with a four wheeler, because that liger can't walk dis- great distances. So I, I have to I have to butt in because I've had someone on my podcast, Jay from Prehistoric Pets, who I. He mm-hmm. was he was defending ligers, and on nope. my show, nope. he was telling. And I'm not trying to put Jay. No. I'm not trying to put a spotlight on him, but he was saying that naturally, because there are lions in Asia. Well, there used to be. There's only like what sixty or hundred mm-hmm. left. The Asiatic lions that they were. He said thousands of years ago they would breed. So, what is your claim for that? It's so rare. That would be so rare. And most natural scientists would say that's a bunch of baloney, that it would be a rare occurrence. Like we saw a few years ago, a polar bear, grizzly bear mix, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That a hunter killed. And it was a, it was a hybrid that it, it, it happens. It happens, but it's so rare. It's so rare. And because here's one, uh, Jason from wild, Animal Safari in Pine Mountain, Georgia. This is an article many years ago talking about ligers. And he said, out of the 24 that they bred for, only three were normal. But even as they grew older, they still developed neurological disorders. He's like, these things are not natural. They don't survive in the, they would never survive in the wild or it'd be very rare if they did. And ligers are horrific, horrific. And Anybody that breeds and shows off ligers should be shamed. I'm sorry. And, and on social media, you should not be supporting people like this. I'm sorry. It, it just – that is where the animal welfare comes in, and that's where it kicks in, where this is not natural. You know, it now, is not in, okay. In, in Jay's defense, and I'm just and I'm just trying to play devil's advocate because I, I, I had Jay on, and Jay has – I'm not trying to put Jay on the spot. I feel like I am. No. I mean, but I mean, <laughs> Sorry, but, yeah, no, Jay's a super nice guy and he mm-hmm. owns the, the reptiles you in California. He has one of the biggest social media followings of anyone. I know he has over 1.5 million followers. His mm-hmm. defense is because he has received a lot of hate. And by the way, I feel like you guys should listen to, to the podcast interview I had with Jay, just, oh, well. just, just, oh, well. just to kind of hear his thoughts. But his thing is, you know, he does get backlash for when he does stuff with tigers, this and that, but he's talking about how, Hey, listen, I'm bringing awareness, uh, you know, of these animals, about these animals, Animals, how they are disappearing and in jay's defense he does do these igtvs and he is saying like hey we need to help these animals so i mean 
I, but know, he doesn't breed ligers. No, 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 no. Oh, then there. Uh, no, okay, so he then, just. But yeah. I, I, I think I don't think he he may have a video with a liger, or it is some tiger, and I think it is, it is at one of these facilities. So his argument, because he has received backlash, is hey, I'm bringing these animals into people's homes on their phones. A lot of these people would never see them. You know, they are endangered in the wild. He is educating people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, well, I. I, I I see that point, and that's definitely a point I know that uh, I think uh, Joe brought up in um, somewhere in one in one of the uh, in one of the episodes, mm-hmm. where he they, he believes him keeping wildlife is a key connection for many people to want to connect with animals and want to know more about them. So you could potentially extrapolate that into like saving them. Don't necessarily think that a liger helps bring about that. T- uh, feeling of wanting to, to help with conservation or learn mm-hmm. more about animals any more than a serval, probably any more than a raccoon. Yeah, Chris, are you? Do you have more stuff to say about the liger? You hit <laughs> me with it. I'm just. I feel like he wants to jump through the screen. I know it's, <laughs> it's because it, there's so much misinformation out there, and that's where, like, you know, Angie and I are we're scientists. We're science based. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is I don't you don't need ligers and you don't and there's no data out there to show that you need a big cat to get people excited about animals in general. No, I I worked at a zoo forever and people like the squirrels on the public path more than they did some (laughs) of the other animals or or I would hold the little bunny and they could pet a bunny or a chicken that got more kids engaged than I mean, it, it would blow your mind. Well, you know, Corbin, you bring animals out like that you don't you don't have a big cat and you can still woo audiences and and get your education met get them excited and get your education message across so i i don't think it has to be a big cat i think you and potentially are doing a disservice to think that right and i think i just trying to say like angie and i we we have our opinions and we share our opinions but we we don't let it leak into the podcast that often unless we're, they're very strongly backed up with evidence like we're evidence-based scientists and to say ligers were everywhere is is a total disservice and and is a disservice to the asiatic lion and it's a disservice to the bengal tiger in that region of the world so that you know disinformation is something angie and i it just frustrates me i you know carol's person that that wrote you i don't think there's twenty thousand tigers in the united states prove it i i don't from the studies i saw they estimate maybe 5,000. There could be up to 10 that are very well hidden, but from the surveys I saw, maybe 5,000 in the United States, which is still too many. It's 5,000 too many in my, in my opinion. Just you know, accredited zoos or some of these zoos that are involved with the SSPs, I think, should have them. I, I think the biggest, you know, I, I want to give people solutions and maybe we can save that for the end and that's supporting some of the legislation that Carol's pushing. Yeah, I'm going to get, oh my God. Okay, well, I'm just going to say, okay, so I know you don't like Doc, right? Is this the guy, what is his name, Doc? (laughs) I'm just very careful. I don't want a lawyer coming knocking on my door. (laughs) No joke. I'm going to have to edit the crap. Hold on. Okay, so there is an, okay, Myrtle Beach Safari. They focus on that in the documentary. As a viewer, I've never been to Myrtle Beach Safari. Some of those enclosures looked beautiful compared to something, I mean, underwater viewing, waterfalls, green, luscious grass. I mean, yes, but I had how do they afford that. How do they afford that? Yeah. Cup but, heading. Is that what you're getting well, at? The cup heading. Yes. Well, 
And, yes. and, and from a welfare point of view, one thing I want to point out is that bull, in my opinion, and once again, I'm not a, a veterinarian or a tiger uh, physiologist or expert, but the I never saw like an emaciated cat or they all had yes. plenty of food. Yeah. In fact, overweight in fact, at at the South Carolina one, I I wanted to they were actually probably some of them on the morbidly obese scale. And I don't Absolutely. know what that is for a cat. A uh, big cat like that, but I'm sure some veterinarians out there that service uh, domestic cats on a daily basis were like jaws were probably yep. dropping to the floor. Yep, about I know how... exactly. Yep, yep. And that uh, and that is a disservice too from an animal health perspective. I mean, that is not. No. And I'm almost, I was wondering. I'm like, oh, is he trying to make them so overweight so they'll like they're slow they're to slow them mm. down? I don't know. Uh, and, and it's horrible for arthritis. So now if you have inbred ligers or cat or whatever, not or are prone to arthritis and then you put that kind of weight on them. I don't know. I, I mean, so that was for me that I would, the animal condition was t- over condition. We call it in the industry mm-hmm. at that facility. And then at Joe's, they, um, they seemed, Oh, Joe seemed okay. I mean, he seemed okay. There, there was a couple of emaciated ones that we saw in the video, but I, yeah, I didn't pick up on that too much. Uh, they looked overall in my opinion. Okay. But, once again, these are just little glimpses. We're not, you know, we, we're not there day in and day out. Um, but yeah, no, uh, how, I think you brought up a good point. How do they pay for that luxurious looking waterfall and landscape? And, and, all I, that? and I, you know, and like you said in the beginning, this is all gray. There's not black and white. There's no yes or no. Some places I've seen so-called rescues, which are personal zoos, tigers kept in beautiful conditions many acres, beautiful parks. So there's good rescues out there, you know, and then you see something like what I saw with Joe exotic when you had a dozen tigers in one cage area with nowhere to shelter, no straw to lay on. It's muddy. It's a mud bath. They're all fighting over food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the, the potential issues is that there is no specific definition for zoo or rescue or sanctuary. There just isn't. You can't. You can't just assume, like Chris said, it's it's not black and white. Not all zoos are the same. Not all sanctuaries are the same. And so, and not all rescues are the same. And and that makes it that makes it really hard for the public. And I also think that who doesn't you know who doesn't want to quote unquote get their picture taken with a cub? I mean, yeah. if you're you know if you if you're if you're going to stay in here right now and tell me you don't want to pet a cub, they're then I'm yeah. going to tell you there's something wrong with you. I, <laughs> I'm raising my head. I, well, you don't I, want to because you know better. I but know if, better, yeah. But in, yeah. in a pretend world, so, if I, it was okay, I mean, who wouldn't snuggle up it, against that thing? This is the um, first time I've ever talked about this publicly, but we used to have a, a roadside zoo. It was off our freeway, and I volunteered there when I was 13. And I have a picture with with playing with tiger cubs. That mm-hmm. place has since shut down, thank God, because it turned into an awful situation. This guy had white tigers. Everything was, I mean, I was inside cleaning. You guys, this is a true story. I can't believe I'm talking about this. My <laughs> second day of volunteering, I was inside cleaning by myself, me and my friend. We were 13 years old, no supervision, cleaning inside a tiger exhibit with the tigers in the den. 100%. Oh, yeah. That same day... I'm not making this up. The tiger got out as we opened the den. The tiger was out. The owner had to come out and get a hose to try to get it back in the den. That was my second day of volunteering. Wow. So 
it that's insane, I, Corbin. I'm I, almost about to cry. So, like, that is and insane. I remember watching that din door, and I remember being—I've never been more scared in my life. Just thinking, like, wow, if that din door opened, I would be gone. But anyway, that was my second day of volunteering. Wow. I was inside picking up tiger scat. Now, listen, the experience was amazing, and mm-hmm. and I have a picture. I have a picture of me with these tiger cubs that were wrestling me, but. Where are those tigers now? Probably dead. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, where are they? I mean, the, the zoo turned out. 90% of the animals ended up dying. They found like a rotted, they found a rotting snow leopard um, in one of the Ugh. enclosures. The giraffe snapped its neck in half. I mean, anyway, it was horrific. And this was mm-hmm. 18 years ago. Um, but yeah, so I've seen it firsthand and I played with cubs and that experience is amazing. Who would not mm-hmm. want to yeah. do it? Right. I mean, and it's just, and so it's, of course, since then, you, you've learned more. I've learned. I've yes. learned more. We, <laughs> yes, we, we know, learned. we know more, right? We have a more sophisticated opinion about these types of things. And, and I think that's the thing is a lot of people that aren't in the animal uh, industry or aren't as familiar with uh, wildlife or zoos, I can understand totally why it seems like an okay thing to do. I had a friend that wanted to pet some tigers at a, fa- a fair or something. Yeah. And she's like, well, they said the money was going to conservation. Uh, yeah. and, and so it's, and, and she's a brilliant woman. Like she's yeah. a smart person. Yeah. And, and so she checked with me afterwards and she's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I want to see your thoughts on that. And so she didn't do it, but I can see how it's, very easy to then and then of course everybody wants to share the selfies and things like that but what people don't realize or are what what we want to talk about today is those cubs that are 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 used for promotional exploitation or whatever it is they're only able to do that from the time mm-hmm. they're born they're pulled from their moms right so they're literally with their mom for like right maybe maybe for a day maybe not depends on what the breeder does and then they're pulled and then they're bottle fed and they're actually really only able to interact or be petted or pictures taken or whatever with the public from the time they're like eight to 12 weeks old. I I think the worst footage in that documentary for me is when the, when the tiger is giving birth and he uses Mm -hmm. that long stick through Mm -hmm. the fence and he tries to get that baby tiger out as fast as he could with the cub. And he's trying to peel it underneath the fence and the head's getting caught and oh, it made me, it's so horrible. It made it me is, want to cry because it is. And, and and I just want to say something because I did, you know, touch cubs in a past life. I've learned and I'm happy that you have, you know, you brought that up, you know, at a roadside zoo and stuff like that. Um, but there are instances yeah. in accredited facilities where you can work with cubs if you are a professional. But I, I, I don't know. There's just so many black and there's so yeah, much. I mean, cause, and, and, and the public should be known too, that the, uh, uh, a tiger will typically stay with its mom in the wild for up to two years. Mm-hmm. So you're, I mean, and then they bottle feed it and they've actually bottle feed them longer than they probably should. And by they, this is me, just a very general blanket. So not all breeders I'm sure are equal, but in general, uh, that they don't get the nutrients they need. Um, and so, they're on this bottle formula, whatever it is, for longer than they probably would be. And so a lot of times, too, that can have long-term side effects for their health from not having the, the proper nutrition when they were young. Mm-hmm. And then in the story, they're 12 weeks old. They're done. They're out. They can no longer – they're too big, too wild. They cannot be handled by, quote, unquote, the public. So what happens then? Oh, this is 
the one quote I wrote down, because like you said, I took tons of notes. I was watching <laughs> all seven episodes. And this was attributed to the place in Carolina that Joe said. And he's basically saying when the when they're young and when they're cubs, they're moneymakers. And he admitted he made up to thirty grand at a mall. Wow. With Cubs Cubs. And, j- cub and just heading. one in like one weekend. Yeah, or- one mall. Yeah, one mall. Wow. Yeah. Up to thirty grand. And then they say well, when they're old, they're nothing but a bill. And yep. so Joe at one point said he had And over, a liability. And a liability. Joe said he had over two hundred and twenty tigers with twenty more coming. And this is towards the end when he's like running for governor or whatever, trying to raise money. <laughs> So I know. He's so insane. But now it is it's on record. He he's convicted of killing five tigers. Yeah. Because they would go when they run run out of use, you know, they go and euthanize a lot of them or kill them or shoot them. And I don't know if you caught it in there, but one of the workers at the one facility that remains unnamed, she alleged she fell in love with this tiger and then the oh, tiger just yeah. totally disappeared. Totally oh, disappeared. Oh yeah. 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 She doesn't know whatever happened. And to they're her. saying that facility is Killing them, euthanizing them, and yes, then cremating the le- them on, alleged, on the premises. Yes. Yeah, yeah, alleged. Yeah, alleged. So, I my my whole thing is, what makes a good rescue? If they're not breeding, and they are because t- we need rescues. I mean, bottom line, we need tiger Carolina tiger rescue should be the gold standard. We need places like that because people get these when they're cute, cuddly, or young, and then they get too old, and they're too expensive. Up to ten grand a year to care for Whoa. one tiger. Right, and, and we need facilities yeah. to take these animals in. But well, if they're breeding, and, uh, yeah, and Carolina Tiger Rescue is a good example because they don't buy any animals, they don't sell any animals, sell any animal parts, they don't breed, uh, they don't allow public contact with the animals. Their staff doesn't uh, touch the animals unless it's for like an um, a, uh, an animal procedure with a sedation so, or something like that. They don't exhibit animals off site. So I I think that there's a big, big difference in how these places are designed. And, and the um, tiger, the Carolina tiger, tiger rescue will also not take cubs for this reason. So, cause they're like, we don't want to be part of the problem. Like if we'll just take the cubs at how, you know, at, at three months or four months when they're no longer able to be used for petting and picture taking, then we're just part of the problem. And so what ends up happening is the really good rescues or sanctuaries will also not take young animals because uh, they don't want to be part of the problem. They want to be part of the solution. So that leaves the breeder or, or the his private owner and a little bit of a pickle of what, what are they going to do with this animal? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not going to – I have my own theories on what, what they're doing. Um, and they're killing them? I mean, a, a, a tiger uh, is worth about uh, 50 grand. Really? Mm-hmm. For body parts and all that. Oh, nonsense. my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Oh, right. you think that there could be a correlate? Oh. I don't, I have no idea, but I, know, I, it's I, just I, a theory. I, I just know that if, I mean, it, well, there's probably, yeah, there might be other non accredited rescues that maybe are taking them. Um, I don't know, but I have to wonder where all of these three month old. Um, tigers. I never even thought of that. I never no. thought and of that either, Angie. I don't know. I just—it's a hypothesis. I have no proof. No, um, well, but, I, but I also—I also, with that being said, I also wonder. You know, I'm trying to figure out. Like at the end of the day, it—I don't think we can necessarily. We cannot like Joe, and we or we cannot like Carol, or any of the other players of this this wacky 
Tiger King show. But at the end of the day, it is the local and state and federal government that you should not be liking. And I'm not a, like a libertarian or anything like that or whatever. I'm just saying like that they're, they're, I mean, it's like, it's the law's fault. Like the most of this stuff, this cup petting, most of this stuff is totally legal. Yeah. And I just want to say something though. I feel, and I want to get your opinion on this. Do you think that Joe, when he started out, really loved his animals? Yes. 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 I do. I do and the same for Carol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think here's the deal. Here's the deal with owning private ownership of big cats. I'm sure most people that start it uh, are doing it with really good intentions. Mm-hmm. They really love the the animal. They interact with it. I mean, they're beautiful. They're majestic. It's uh, I I understand that. I liked working with exotic animals as well. Um, so I, I but I think somewhere along the line, uh, because of laws allowing for this to happen, things can spiral out of control because a key fact we probably should have made and we kind of made uh, um, so far on this podcast but animal animal care or animal welfare for exotics so let's totally exclude domestics the care of animals under uh, in captivity or uh, under human care is poorly regulated like poorly regulated whether it's a turtle or a chimpanzee and some states are trying to change that uh, but in general it's more up to the individual but, or the institution see, so, so no, i had a friend who wants to be anonymous and basically mm-hmm. her statement was saying or or his statement it could be a guy or girl mystery told me that they worked at a big cat rescue. They were very aware of Carol. They did not work at Carol's cat rescue, but their claim was, listen, Carol wants to be the only big cat rescue and she wants all the others shut down. And she said, if they pass this act, it's going to affect even things like outreach programs, even using smaller cats, for instance, servals or ocelots for educational programs. I mean, I do television segments, you know, on the Today Show. I work with cats. You know, we feature cheetahs from accredited places. We're currently working on bringing on an ocelot, which mm-hmm. is obviously well, – oh, I just broke that news. Um, <laughs> anyway, but – Here here first. Here, here first, but that's with an accredited facility. They have the licenses. So mystery – comment told me that if this if this law passes then it's going to affect all of us and it's not just going to you know and so go ahead chris i okay um this person <laughs> who i i read the the act okay, okay. so i read it and yeah, so chris, quick, give us a quick breakdown for listeners that aren't familiar with the big right. safety act and I, and I think if you want to make a change, if, if you're fired up, this you need to contact your legislators because I, I think, you know, I don't know what Carol's about. I didn't look up her stuff. You know, I don't think there should be 5,000 tigers in the United States. I think there should be a few hundred at zoos and then accredited zoos and maybe some regulation where people can use them for education, right? I just don't, I think it's the Wild West or it was the Wild West where a lot of these animals are being bred and abused and their welfare is not being monitored. That's just my opinion. Okay, there's one of my opinions. Big Cat Public Safety Act. 
So basically it says in general, it's unlawful for any person to import, export, transport, sell, receive, acquire, or purchase in interstate or foreign commerce or in a manner, you know, big legal words in Congress, affecting interstate or foreign commerce or to breed or possess any prohibited wildlife species. Now there are exceptions built in there for zoos and education, but it says lions, tigers, leopards, snow leopards, jaguars, cougars, or any hybrids. Those are the prohibited species, not ocelots, not you know, smaller cats. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see that in this. It, it, it didn't. So, again, we got to just go with truth. This is what it says. We can't. That's where I'm like the disinformation doesn't help because people start turning off their ears. They just say, well, you know, that's a lie. And sometimes we make mistakes. I mean, we all make this could maybe I, I read it wrong, but I pulled it up. You know, the, what was submitted in Congress in 2019. So and it, for the it, record, it only they think it estimate, estimate at least the last estimate I heard that it only has three percent chance of passing. Oh, and, yeah, really? it's not going to get it's not oh. passed. Okay. Well, unless this might change with Tiger. Maybe. Know, oh, my God, I mean, it might yeah, change. Hopefully. Oh, you're right. But it just yeah. Yeah. it goes on to say, you know, does you know, what's a sanctuary? They can do this, but things they can't do is sell or breed. Because I think you know, with the the cub petting. So I don't think that would. One. I don't. Yeah, I mean that would. I, I don't think that would affect Carols, and I don't think it would affect North Carolina. No, and, and, tiger the, and the message that the, the anonymous Instagram person said that it would not affect mm-hmm. anyone who currently has them. They just want to stop the 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 cub petting. You know. Yeah, which, But someone could call. We have to. Yeah, yeah. it's like you got to start. You got to start somewhere. Someone, I, I, I don't know. I just want to say this because I'm looking at it all around, and the more and more. You know, our podcasts are listened to. The more and more stuff is out there, the more and more mm-hmm. we're hearing from people who have all these opinions. And I own an educational outreach company that takes reptiles to do shows. Someone could argue and say, well, Corbin, what, what's the difference between a someone touching a large African tortoise and a tiger? So let's talk about it because it's like someone could call me a <laughs> hypocrite. I'm serious. Yes. I'm sorry, guys. I've dealt with. I've dealt. I'm dealing with a lot of trolls. Um, well, not a lot. I shouldn't say that. I have. I, I have a lot of good comments, but there's people out there. So, what would you say against that? Well, first I, of all, Corbin, yeah. I just want to tell you uh, a very wise woman named Marianne. Uh, bless her, bless her soul. She once told me that if nobody's talking about you, you're not doing a good enough job. Oh, I like that. <laughs> okay. So, but. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you can, you can borrow that one from me anytime. It, it's, it's an okay thing. Um, so what was the question again? I just, <laughs> no. it's like, I'm sorry. No, I I just, go ahead, Chris. Where's the, where's the line? Where's I thought line? of, oh, where's the, I, I gave a lot of thought to this because I know what you do. I know you have an alligator too, you know, and, and, <laughs> but he's a rescue, two, you know, both some are rescues two. You have two now. I've, I've always had two. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, yes, I'm breeding them. Yes, um, I'm Corbin the Alligator King. No, I'm not breeding them. Let me tell you. So I have two alligators. I have special licenses um, from Idaho Fish and Game. One of, one of my alligators was living in a, someone's bedroom. The other one was given as an anniversary present. So, and in, in my defense, I, and in my defense, and I actually filmed in IGTV my first one talking about tiger king and i had my alligator in the background and i thought you know what Mm -hmm. i actually i didn't i didn't put it out publicly because i thought this isn't good i need to do you know with something like a ball python something less controversial but in my video i stated like i am not out there advocating for people to have alligators as pets 
I'm not getting any new alligators for our educational shows. Chompers is six and a half feet. Sonny's ten and a half feet. He weighs several. He weighs like three hundred pounds. They're literally retired. And if you follow my Instagram feed, you'll know we're building them mm-hmm. a brand new one thousand square foot right. facility. That's just insane. It's like crazy. But so that would be my argument. Is like you know I'm not. <laughs> you no. know what I mean? And I no, would no, tell no, no. you. Yeah, but I'm ahead. saying like I got. I had a lot of thought of it for you, and I was like you know, what Corbin does, what you do is, is extremely important for wildlife, you know, and that's, you know, what I believe and what Angie and I have talked about for a couple of years since we've known you, you know, what you do. So where do you draw the line? I, I don't know. It, it, I it's think, a hard, uh, I think you draw the line with like the mobility, the size, the, the class of the animal. I mean, maybe alligators yeah. is a different talk for a different day. <laughs> I don't know. But I don't think that you like I can't I don't think you can compare um, a tiger and a ball python. No, no, no. Yeah, or just, or a chimpanzee or an elephant. Oh I mean, God. I think they're all into his pet yeah, elephant. I mean, like who who owns pet elephants? No, like, his come pet on. elephant all looked the like it was in great care. I mean, that's horrible. No, the, his animals are fine. It, yeah. It's it's his, his I will say that place, their animals, like Angie said earlier, the, they, they take immaculate care of the ones they keep. What happens to the ones that they don't keep? That's my question for them. And they say, oh, we give millions to conservation. I've heard that on Instagram. P- show us. Show us who benefits from that money. Have you sent money to, to Sonarto, who's out in the jungle, actually doing work? No. You know, he that all that money that they charge, which is very – it's very expensive to go there and I mess with their that. tigers. Okay. Has built that facility. Has built all their beautiful homes. Bought pays bu- for those bu- beautiful things. Bought those one girl's boobs. Remember, she got her. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those admission so, tickets bought her. You know, a brand I think new... they, I think you can write that off on your taxes. Though, Are you so. serious? Okay. <laughs> I have no idea, but okay. uh, you know what I mean. That, that, Sorry, that, the whole the whole show is just bizarre, and yeah. I you know I I think that when you whatever place you're addressing, how about this? Rather, it's an uh, an independent wildlife educator like yourself and your company, mm-hmm. or an accredited the San Diego Zoo, mm-hmm. or Joe Exotica, or Exotica. <laughs> oh, I keep saying that's so funny. That's like how it was in my brain. Uh, or whatever facility, I think it's up to. Like the proof is in the pudding of your mission statement on your website mm-hmm. on what rules and regulations you're following and. And what you're doing and how you're not profiting so, off of it or yeah. if you are. So, so, so there's ins- a lot. There, there's, oh, for instance, if I was breeding my alligators and I was producing 60, 70, 80 baby alligators for hands-on shows, for people to touch them, and then selling them on the internet, that would probably put me on the lines of Joe Exotic 100%. And that would be wrong Absolutely. for me. So that I would say that's the difference. That'd be a huge difference. Yeah. Well, no. What of no. many? I, I mean, I mean <laughs> many one of many. I don't. No. <laughs> oh, no, no. Let, uh, let me smile real big. Let me zoom in and see those. No, teeth. he's got teeth. <laughs> <laughs> he's got teeth. No, well, I mean Corbin. One of the things it's it's you can you can farm alligators, so that's yeah. legal, and that's yeah. and 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 whether you agree with it or not, you know people do you know wear alligator boots, things like that. That's a, there's a major difference between farming alligators and farming tigers. Yeah. Because I what Joe Exotic did was farm tigers. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, he had yeah, 227 made... tigers on his property. Mm-hmm. Like what the what? I mean, that is out of control. Okay. And that is a huge problem. This is going to get really 
touchy. <laughs> this is a this is a heated. I like this roundtable. This is a very yeah. interesting. This is very controversial. I think this is more controversial than any roundtable we've done. Would do you think Carol killed her husband? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> this is so. <laughs> <laughs> oh god golly i you know okay through the lens of tv and them building a narrative there's no evidence she did there's no he people disappear Beyond all the time. a reasonable doubt right yeah uh, i mean people just lawyer i i i don't want to go there <laughs> <laughs> Did joke, I mean, she's joke. definitely an eccentric character. I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, no, I, I, I off for the, the drama or whatever. That was the but, drama of the show. And, and, you know, who knows where he went? People disappeared and people do crazy stuff. So do what, what I'm, what I will say in, in Carol's defense or whatever, again, is how she saw the light, isn't breeding them and is bringing light to this problem because, you know, I'll keep it to animal things. <laughs> I know. Oh, so don't. Okay, you guys, you have to admit though, the way I, they shot it. He spent a million dollars plus on copyright stuff. You think I'm gonna say anything? Oh, <laughs> you're gonna right. Feel... I'm gonna have to edit the crap out of this podcast. <laughs> I'm so. <laughs> I just... No, I mean it's in the public domain now. So, but I, you know, I watched her and and I felt really bad how bad she was attacked by Joe Exotic because she oh, was trying was... to put him out. Now, yeah. hold on. Yeah. Has, okay, guys, I don't know this. Has the Big Cat Rescue officially made a statement after this Tiger King documentary? I don't know. I think on their website, she uh, there was um, uh, a rebuttal or some basically saying there was a lot of things misconstrued. Which, if you, first of all, if you watch any documentary mm. based on people's lives and things like that, even, even, the, even certain, like, different news stories or things like that there is it's usually you have to know they're painting a picture or telling a certain story so i for both for all parties involved i'm sure there are plenty plenty of clips they maybe wished were played and they well only oh, selected for instance certain for ones. instance as reported by tmz i actually was going to talk about this mm-hmm. um last night on my new live show on facebook but joe's ex-husband actually got new teeth back in july and he, swear to God, he was very mad, he told TMZ, because he, they shot a bunch of interviews with his new set of chompers, and they decided to use none of that footage, and the producers <laughs> told him exactly. to film it. The producer said, hey, you should film with your shirt off. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it is defense, he got a new set of chompers, he looks pretty good, so I just like... Right, right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, so it's hard with, yeah. So it's hard to make any, any real judgment on what, uh, what one person, what, how much of their truth was really shown. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, they put a lot out there, but I'm sure there were other parts that were edited as well, edited out of uh, different things. And so um, I think we, I think as far as Joe's side of the story or Carol's side of the story goes, we will have to leave it up to, the the legality of it all and Mm -hmm. so far only one of them is in prison and it's not carol no so you know uh i I guess hashtag carol killed her husband was on my instagram and a few comments so um but but and and at that so all this actually brings up a a really fascinating point that uh, i just want to um make sure that we all think about with this is 
I'm not going to lie. The show was entertaining, and uh, I, I definitely binge-watched it. It, def- it during this time when we all need distractions. Yes. I saw a funny meme that like, let's actually thank Joe and Carol for giving us this Seriously. distraction during a really important mm-hmm. time of need. Right? We all, we all, we all need a little bit of a, a little bit of a weird odd distraction. And the Tiger King for 2020 will You're always right. be remembered as this odd distraction during where we all have all these odd feelings that we most of us have never mm-hmm. felt before. Some of it's grief, loss, anxiety, stress. Uh, frustration and the tiger king kind of just let us cut loose and eat popcorn and feel a lot better about ourselves and so <laughs> did you uh, for- did you see the meme of like someone whispering or it was it was it was um president trump whispering to one of his advisors and one of his advisors says what are we going to do mr president about the coronavirus and he says release the tiger documentary <laughs> <laughs> for all of that and i love this discussion and i think of course you should have these discussions with your um from social distancing on on zoom with your yeah. co-workers or, or over the phone with your friends or over facetime but really though those are seven hours of my life that i'm not going to be able to get back <laughs> uh we're well sure. spent and <laughs> i just want to Make sure that for all the controversy for people that are, like you said, Corbin, either trolling you or frustrated about this or mad about something we said on the podcast or didn't say on the podcast, take that and do something with it. Like seven hours of your life was wasted on this just crazy story. So learn something from it. Get something out of it. Educate yourself. Educate your friends. Learn more about tigers in the wild, accredited zoos. Uh, Learn more about what a good sanctuary is versus a bad sanctuary. Learn about cupheading. I mean, it it doesn't, it just educate yourself. And I I know for one, like I'm going to, those seven hours, I'm going to give them back to tiger conservation and I'm going to go get more experts. I'm going to try to make up for, uh, the, like I said, the seven hours of my life, I'll never get back. And I just hope that out of all the speculation or gossip or whatever it is that all this brings about is it can either bring about some change in your own life or how you see things or, um, or maybe as Chris pointed out, maybe with, uh, with legislation, we can at least start somewhere of trying to fix this problem by either contacting your senators or understand right now, the county that you live in, what are the laws? Is mm-hmm. Could there be a tiger next door? Yeah. Yeah. And there could be. there's another uh, point I want to bring up. And I know we covered this in a podcast on your podcast. And um, you guys so graciously let me share it on my podcast. So our last roundtable, we did Why Zoos Matter. Because a lot of people will see this. And there are a lot mm-hmm. of people out there who don't like zoos. They want to see all the zoos shut down. And in my IGTV, Angie, and I know you watched it, and I, I kind of I wanted to touch on this, but there's so many people out there who are like, oh, I don't like zoos, and I just want all the animals to live. You know, They just belong in the wild. And I want to make a point that the wild is a... It really doesn't exist anymore. There are no. very few places, and it's dangerous. Can we talk about this for just a second? Because, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and, and John and I talk about this, uh, which we'll be releasing following up this, in, this uh, roundtable, because, you know, I... I'm unbiased. I've never worked for a zoo. I, I did help John teach some classes. I taught some zookeepers. You know, that's my only admission. Um, but I've never been employed by an AZA institution or, or anything like that. I'm a scientist. I'm trained in animal physiology. Horses were my number one species. And then I branched out into endangered species research, seeing all these trends going on around the planet. After doing this podcast for two and a half years, 
telling the stories of other hundred species that are that are barely you know a lot of them barely hanging on if not extinct now especially after the australian wildfires if zoos went away a lot of species would go away we would lose a ton of biodiversity on earth they are doing some of the most critical work in research and in conservation they're working with people out in the field like i said they send their zookeepers out in the field they are a huge voice in getting people to buy in to animal conservation and education. So from an unbiased scientific perspective, if we didn't have zoos, we're screwed. The food web, the oceans, the landmass, everything. Because like you said, only about 23% of the wild remains before we all became an industrialized oh. species. We've, we've exploited everywhere, roads, you name it. Uh, you know, tearing down force, all those things. So zoos are critical, critical to maintaining what species they're, they're lifeboats. They're lifeboats for a lot of species. Right. And yeah. Well, and just to add to that a little bit, I think for people that want to make a sweeping statement of, I don't like zoos is as, as we've discussed, they're not all made the same. It's not, it's, it's a lot of gray area and zoos a lot of people that pour their heart and their souls and their lives into being keepers and curators or uh, veterinarians or nutritionists at zoos or whatever, they get a ton of training and all this started happening and zoos kind of got together, a lot of the bigger zoos and said, yeah, I mean, the USDA and uh, regulations suck. Like mm -hmm. they aren't helpful. They're like, give them fresh water once a day and make sure they can turn around in their enclosure. Like they're not... They're pretty bare minimal, as we talked about earlier in the podcast. And so that's why the AZA accreditation was started is actually the zoos, them, the people that work at the zoos, the higher ups and the lower downs and everybody in between, they were like, we want to increase the animal welfare. The government's not going to do it. So we, wanted, we want to figure out how to raise the bar and how to make sure these animals have the best care, the most room, uh, the most uh, enrichment, uh, enriching lives, that they're not inbred, uh, that they're conserved in the wild. That's one, a big mission of AZA accredited facilities. And so it was actually the zoo's people coming together and saying, we're going to raise the bar because the government's not going to do it. So that's what it's all about. And every year the bar just gets raised higher and higher and higher and higher. And zoos are listening to their to people, the naysayers, and trying to mm -hmm. continually improve their their quality. I mean, anybody who's an uh, anybody who's a little bit older probably has seen the change that a lot of the zoos mm -hmm. have taken in the past mm -hmm. twenty to thirty years, as far as getting rid of bars and cages and cement and yeah. all that's gone. It's all natural mm -hmm. and. And not every zoo everywhere. That's once again why I think you, <laughs> yeah. you shouldn't put it. You, you can't put it in, into a um, into a box. And I think the other thing that's really important to point out about accredited zoos, and I, I'm not I'm not as familiar with sanctuary accreditation, so I can't talk about that as much. But the biggest thing is that they encourage, or they I shouldn't say they encourage, they demand financial accountability mm -hmm. in your institution, because. Honestly, if something happened to a, a zoo director or a zoo president or whatever at, the, at, an, at a, a, uh, an accredited facility, nothing would change. During coronavirus 2020 at these accredited facilities, be, besides the public, of course, not being allowed at most of the um, 
if not all of the accredited zoos, nothing has changed for their animals. Yeah, the, the animals, animals are, are fine. Still, the care is fine. And that's because accredited zoos and aquariums have endowments. Mm-hmm. They have and that's a fancy word as far as my understanding is money in the bank, right? They got money in the bank for emergency situations to care for their animals. Now, fast forward to what's happened to Joe's zoo You're right. since he's been locked away. Yeah. And so these, these, it's called contingency plans. So accredited zoo facilities, and I would imagine sanctuaries as well, have contingency plans not only about financial issues or responsibility, but about emergency situations, tornadoes, hurricanes, they've got protocol for that. They have protocol for an animal escape, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, um, Which uh, they have protocol for training their employees. I mean, obviously the, you know, the zoo when you were 13 volunteering broke every one of those. (laughs) They they did. Uh, And and I want to say there was a point in the documentary where they were running low on funds. They were running out of food for the animals and supplies where Joe's like, we're going to have to start breeding more tigers and selling tigers. I mean, they didn't have a plan. There's no contingency plan. That the one shot where he's looking at the tornado coming down the road. Oh my like, god! What, like, why aren't yeah. you like securing your animals? I mean, and who knows? Maybe he was. That could just be once again the documentary, like, mm-hmm. you know, making stuff dramatic or whatever. I don't know. But what I do know is the amount of paperwork and time and effort and protocol. Oh my gosh! E- email after protocol after oh. protocol after protocol mm-hmm. for working in an AZA accredited zoo is for these contingencies. And, so they don't go out of business. Well, and just to, so the animals have the best care. Just to double up on that, with Angie talking, it's you know these animals have 24-hour vet care. Mm-hmm. They're they're have nutritionists on staff. So when you see Joe dumping all that meat, expired meat from Walmart, I'm sitting there thinking, not only is the meat expired for a reason, that that's all pro- a lot of it's processed. So it's got high nitrates, salts, other things that are not proper for a cat, a big cat. So their diets are horrific. So again, welfare, big welfare issue there. Where at zoos, you know, these animals are are fed balanced diets. They share information. They do research. Angie, one of the best, uh, one one of my favorite interviews Angie did was um, with Dr. Barney Long, who's heading up the Sumatran Rhino Project. And I think this is a big point to make. They brought in all the Sumatran rhinos in the wild, all, what, 60 of them that are left I, I in the world? I think they're trying to. I don't know if they have They're yet. trying they're to trying in Debomas, right? They're trying, they're trying to bring them in under human care. Yeah. Everything they're, they're, really sp- they're all spread out over the island, and they can't find each other. Yeah, so they're and trying they're to get them together to save them. Mm-hmm. He's leading that project. Everything they've learned to take care of those rhinos, they learned from, you know, zoos. zoos. Yeah. So it's the, the Cincinnati it's so, Zoo for bred a Sumatran rhino. They they're using yeah. all of that information. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. Terry Roth. Yep. Yeah. Please hire me. Hint hint. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That, that that male rhino. Hey. That male rhino. So dipped them off. You guys, can yeah. I can I read you? This might be super controversial. This is an anonymous message from someone who works at a very credible AZA facility, and the reason why they're not speaking out is they're afraid they don't want to lose their job. Okay. But this is a safe space here. Um, so I'm going to read this. Well, I mean, I think so. Gosh, I, I mean, no one can fire us right now, but I don't want to get sued. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, it is a little long. I might have to cut this out of the pod, but let me know what you guys think, okay? Because I really want to touch okay. with this. This person said, hey, I saw your post and I'm not sure about how deep you're getting into this tiger stuff, but I just wanted to share some info. I really don't feel comfortable publicly commenting. I have worked for AZA and non-AZA, and I have an issue with the divide that is being wedged between all animal care facilities. 
I have not watched the series yet, but I can't imagine it will reflect well on the industry, which needs more support than ever. Also, with places like the Oklahoma City Zoo spewing the same AZA rhetoric that they are the gold standard and only qualifying standard for proper animal care, I'm impelled to remind people that AZA has surplused animals to Carol at Big Cat Rescue. However, I understand that we all need to work together more than ever. I'm just frustrated by the hypocrisy of some AZA facilities knowing full well the importance of all facilities to improving our animal care practices, successful population management, and our reconstruction of our public image as an industry. Um, he just said, yeah, anyway, he just goes more into this, but he says most larger facilities might have the same space with the nicer looking exhibits and even better vet care. But at night, all the houses come to night houses. I don't oppose this or disagree with this. The space is usually more sparse, less natural and smaller. My point is the cat at the smaller facility doesn't care if it's sleeping on a wooden plank or a million dollar fake rock wall as long as it's well cared for and stimulated blah, 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 blah. The fancy exp expensive exhibits are for guests and hopefully benefit animals, but are not absolutely necessary. Awesome. Thanks for all the education. Sorry. That was so long winded. Yeah. No, I, I think, yeah, Angie, no, Angie's got I a mean, good perspective from being, yeah, I, the, the, um, the writer brings up a lot of, of fair points. Uh, I don't think that there is any necessarily silver bullet as far as, as, there's problems in on all institutions. Nothing you, know, you can't get everything perfect. I think it's striving for it. And I, being a scientist, and this is kind of what drove me to when after being a zookeeper of wanting to go back to graduate school to get um, some some more degrees and learn more about the science and scientific method. Is a lot of times we anthropomorphize and assume this is how an animal feels. Or this is mm. this is safe for an animal, or this isn't, or this is uh, an animal is happier when it's in a a beautiful large grassy exhibit versus being in a concrete cage. And so I am a big supporter in uh, AZ accredited zoos that are, is doing research to try to answer some of these mm. questions. Like, is the cat happier here or there? Or for instance, mm. big cats are t are often prone to stereotypic behaviors uh pad or pacing mm. back and forth mm. a lot of a lot of carnivores are and so ask, asking the question can we reduce these uh stereotypical behaviors if we give them a larger exhibit if we give them a smaller exhibit if we give them a friend if we don't give them a friend if we give them enrichment three times a day or and so they're doing research to try to back up some of these speculations about yes what it's basically welfare science mm -hmm. and it's a it's really just starting to emerge mm -hmm. and so i think we're what the writer is talking about is very valid. And those are questions I wish somebody would hire me to answer because we don't necessarily know what, uh, what might make one cat happier might not. Right. Maybe. Uh, so it's, it's hard to make sweeping generalizations of yes, all AZA accredited zoos are perfect and anything who's not accredited is horrible. Um, I don't think we can say that because we don't have the science to back that up. And I think I'm an what I'm an advocate for is we need more of that. We yeah. need to look at really big welfare topics um, as far as the cat, the animals, or let's just say the big cat feeling safe, the big cat, the stress, the cortisol levels, mm -hmm. uh, um, their nutrition, their breeding. Like some of these animals aren't breeding. Why are they not breeding? Does it have to do with nutrition? Does it have to do with stress? Does it have to do, all of these things are only going to be answered uh, through 
science and that takes time and money. And there, as your reader pointed out or the writer pointed out, like we're just wasting time if we're pitting each other against each other. It's not helping the animals by saying Mm-mm. I'm better than her or I'm better than them or we're better than them. I mean, I think there's some things that we can all potentially agree on that probably aren't any good, like cub, like pulling a cub from its mom when it's an hour old or not mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and, uh, and that's, or a, a, a tiger living in a six by literally USDA allowed six by six or whatever it is. Like, I think we can all agree that that is Wrong. probably on the animal's best interest. So yeah. I think it's coming together on some of those terms and realizing the differences we have. Some might be able to be answered by science. Some might not be, mm-hmm. but the, in general, the welfare of the animal is I, I do believe in my heart, and I'm sure this writer does too, the person who wrote in, uh, that the, the mission of AZA accredited zoos is to bring about good welfare for the animals, and they're always working on, on improving on how to do that. However, that doesn't mean that a non-accredited zoo that's doing everything right or most things right mm-hmm. or is trying to do things right – has bad intentions. I think they have good intentions as well. Just like I think, I mean, Joe and Carol have good intentions. I think they just got misconstrued along the way, quite obviously. And then there was no checks and balances. There was no board of directors. There's no financial responsibility. So, um, there's some big differences too. I think Angie makes a great point as far as behavioral science or, Animal welfare science is is a big emerging field. I think Brookfield Zoo is is leading the charge in that. I think they they have a graduate program now that that they're instituting. So do AZ, like Angie Angie admitted it from the very beginning. Does AZA need to do things better or are these accredited institutions? Absolutely, and they are. But to you know back to your those comments, I think what that person is trying to get at is. There are good rescues. I've seen great personal zoos Mm -hmm. that label themselves as rescues, beautiful exhibits, animals well taken care of. But like Angie said, where's the checks and balances? Are they breeding? uh, What are they breeding for? You know, are there there contingency plans, things like that? Like if the owners died. And and here's the deal too. I mean, if I had it my way, uh, and this of course just my opinion disclaimer, but I would love all animal all wild animals living in the wild. I, I, I don't, if it was a perfect world, I, I don't think we, we could all just go on safari in Africa and see the mm-hmm. Matt Kruger or mm-hmm. go to Yellowstone. And, um, m- notice that I mentioned national parks because there yeah. is really no quote unquote wild very much anymore. And so I, I, unfortunately my, my utopia or that that's not real. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Not in my lifetime, mm-hmm. probably ever. So, uh, I do think that zoos, accredited zoos, have a really big part in animal conservation, and that's what I'm about. All right, you guys, thank you. <laughs> talk about this all day. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show and having this roundtable. I, I just, I love you know your expert opinions on this, and hopefully we'll get people talking. And you know, but I thank you for taking the time to do the research and try to get you know trying to get a good message out there. Yeah, like I said, take that passion that you're having uh, with when you're chit-chatting with friends or maybe even on social media and take that passion and 
do something with it. Try to educate yourself more, educate people, look at what's happening uh, as far as tigers and other big exotic big cats are concerned in your local area, in your state, uh, and check out the the Big Cat Safety Act. And, you know, if it is something you think is worth enforcing, you better tell your senators because, like I said, it doesn't yeah. seem to have a very big chance of passing. And I think it's a start in the right direction, my understanding of it. And I I feel like we have the certain states aren't going to do anything, then, then maybe it needs to be done, done federally. I, I don't know. Um, but those are the that's the conversation that needs to be had. And uh, rather Carol did it or didn't do it or rather Joe is going to be freed in five years or not yeah. and opening up another cub petting thing. Like those are, uh, yeah, you just want to make sure you're tr- using your time constructively. Think, we all have, a, we all have a little more time on our hands. These I know. Days, I think so. they're talking about season two of tiger King, which if they have the content, they should go for it. Cause it's obviously <laughs> blowing uh-huh. up. Um, I think, and just in my closing, I think the the biggest thing to remember is tigers in the wild are are suffering. I mean, there are very few left, and there are people out there like Sonarto World Wildlife Foundation that are fighting hard to preserve what's left in the wild. And I think we we, we can't lose focus of that. It, it's fun to talk about these, we talk, you know, the drama. But I really think we need to focus in on, on what's going on in the wild and, and protect all wildlife. And yeah, we, didn't even, like, yeah. we really didn't even touch on tiger trade and tiger body parts. And mm. I mean, that it's just it's yeah. uh, they need our help and they need education. And uh, and maybe just maybe the beautiful, ironic part of this whole ti- Tiger King uh, blowing up on Netflix is that maybe just maybe. Mm-hmm. Some tigers will be saved of it in the wild, and that would be awesome. Or, yeah. or some you know baby tiger cubs will be saved here in the states that we're maybe gonna be mysteriously go away <laughs> or whatever. That to me would that to me would be make all of the you know the the series worth it. Yeah, and I'd just say fi- my final thing is never, never, never pay to pet a cub ever. You just support it. You're supporting exploitation. And that is not a good place to, to, to send your money to help animals. And also realize that it's very easy for anybody and everyone to say like, oh, all the money's going to conservation. Like look into it where? And just like you said earlier mm-hmm. in the podcast, you can make a claim it's going to conservation. Okay, that's great. What organization? What have you done? You know what I mean? Like look mm-hmm. into it and it doesn't, Angie, you said this earlier, just do a quick Google search. If, if, if you see an animal park or a zoo, quick Google search, you can look on TripAdvisor and you'll know pretty pretty, uh, pretty soon if it's a good facility or, um, or one maybe you should avoid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Corbin. So Thanks, good Corbin. to see you. Thank you. So good to see you guys. We'll have Thanks another Thanks for having us. Yes. yes. Do you have yes. uh do you have what series should be we be watching on Netflix now? Oh, so <laughs> my wife's gonna kill me, but she wants because I'm making her wait, but I guess Ozark season three is mm-hmm. out. And I, I guess, guess that's yeah. supposed to be really good. I haven't even seen season two. So Yeah, awesome. I watched season two. Okay, so. so plenty of stuff to keep us busy. Yes. Yep. All right. Thank you guys. <laughs> Bye. All right, thank you. 
thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.